the majority of those bills uh, that revolve around uh, gender identity and uh, uh, sexual orientation discrimination and uh, and so on, those are uh, have been filed by uh, folks who are advocates for uh, LGBT plus QIA rights, and uh, they are uh, trying to uh, incorporate into current Chapter 21 of the Texas Labor Code statutory protection against discrimination on the basis of, uh, you know, uh, gender uh, identity or uh, sexual orientation or similar characteristics. Some are broad spectrum, others are not so broad spectrum, but uh, that's the general trend of things and uh, uh, quite a lot of those. Good morning, HR. I'm Mike Coffey, and this is the podcast where I talk to business leaders about bringing people together to create value for shareholders, customers, and the community. Please follow, rate, and review Good Morning HR wherever you get your podcast. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or at goodmorninghr.com. Every two years, the Texas legislature convenes for a 140-day regular legislative session, and the 2023 session starts on January 10th. For those of you looking at your calendar about now, we're recording this episode on January 4th for release on January 12th. Hopefully nothing too drastic happens in the intervening week, but now you know. While legislators' main job is to agree on Texas budget for the next two years, they also sort through thousands of proposed laws affecting all areas of life in Texas, including employment. Joining me today to discuss the legislative process and preview how the 88th Texas legislature might affect employers are my friends Tommy Simmons and Matt Abel. Tommy Simmons serves as legal counsel for Commissioner Aaron Demerson, the employer representative on the Texas Workforce Commission. But to Texas business leaders, he's recognized as one of the state's leading authorities on employment-related legislation and the one guy in state government we can trust for straightforward guidance on Texas and federal employment laws. He authored the TWC book, especially for Texas employers, and is the assistant editor of the Texas Association of Businesses Employment Law Handbook. And Matt Abel is the vice president for policy at the Texas Association of Business, the state's chamber of commerce. He serves as the primary staff member for healthcare and employment relations issues at TAB. Prior to his current position, he was the Chief of Staff for Texas State Representative John Frulo. He has extensive experience in the legislative and regulatory process. In full disclosure, I just ended four years as an officer of TAB, where I continue to serve on the Board of Directors. Welcome to Good Morning HR, Matt and Tommy. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mike. Excited to be here. So let's start, Tommy, with just kind of an overview of the legislation legislative calendar in Texas. I mean, we only meet every other year, so we're we're quasi safe uh, on the on the uh, even years. But even during the even years, we've got interim committees and all of that. And then we have pre-billing filing and all those things. Would you kind of just go through that eternal cycle of, of uh, getting ready for the legislature and then actually executing it? That's right. Just a, a very quick overview. And uh uh, then I'll be glad to share highlights of, of what bills have been pre-filed so far. Now, every session, in the run-up to every session, 
which usually begins in the first uh, uh, or second week of January every two years, uh, there is a uh, pre-filing period that usually begins in mid-November, and this year was no different. The first date uh, for pre-filing bills was November the 14th of 2022. And uh, already on that date, we saw uh, close to a thousand bills filed uh, in, in both the House and the Senate. And uh, one thing that I do in Commissioner Demerson's office uh, every session is I keep uh, track of all the bills that are filed and uh, keep a list of all the employment-related legislation and uh, workforce-related legislation that is filed and, and any agency-related legislation that will affect how the agency does business with employers. So I was uh, already on the first day of filing, I was keeping track. And uh, just to let everybody know, uh, I keep a list, and it's, it's not a, a, a great big secret, uh, I keep a list of uh, employment law-related bills every session. I've been doing that since 2003, and uh, those lists are available to Texas employers. Anybody who wants one, all you have to do is, uh, you know, write to uh, me at my email address of Tommy.Simmons, S-I-M-M-O-N-S, at TWC.Texas, all spelled out, .gov. GOV and request a copy of that list. I also share the list on a regular basis with uh, our uh, our uh, partners in uh, business and workforce development and employment law, the Texas Association of Business. I share that list with certain folks over there at TAB and uh, you can also write to them and ask uh, if, if they have a copy of my bill tracking file that they could send you and, and you're welcome to it. So just let me know if you want a copy of this. But basically, you've got a, a, a pre-filing period and it's still going on. I'm keeping track of it every day. I get reports coming out from various uh, legislative tracking databases. And uh, the first day of the session is going to be January the 10th. And of course, there's a lot of swearing in that goes on and, and uh uh, other procedural actions that go on about that, and there's, uh, it's still not exactly certain uh, what the uh, what the map is going to look like in terms of uh, committee chairmanships and so on. But uh, the Speaker of the Texas House is going to have a very pivotal role in determining who sits on what committees and and who is the chair of which committees. And in the Senate, of course, the presiding officer is Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. And uh, those very important state leaders are going to be determining uh, the overall layout of the Texas legislature. And uh, certain things are hardwired into the calendar. But uh, basically, in my experience, uh, now everybody has their own pet legislation to look after. But in my experience, the most uh, important employment-related legislation and workforce-related uh, legislation never sees much traction until about March, late March. And then it starts picking up some steam in April. And uh, basically, if a, a bill hasn't made much of a movement through the first house in which it was filed uh, by April, uh, it, it may be in trouble unless something happens to intervene. Uh, in May, uh, usually 
that's when you start uh, seeing the winners sorted out from the losers. I keep track of the movement of all of the bills uh, in that legislative uh, tracking file. So if you want you know, an exact report on the status of any of those bills, just let me know and I'll, I'll send you my latest copy of those uh, bills. But in any event, uh, the, uh, all the bills have to be uh, completed and passed uh, by sine die. The last uh, session, the last uh, day of uh, May of 2023, and if, if they don't make it then, they're, they're completely dead. Uh, the bills that uh, have passed, both houses of the legislature uh, get to go before the governor for signing, and the governor, uh, you know, has only until mid-June to sign or veto the bills. And uh, I, I always have a, a, a last, last day report card from the legislature uh, showing uh, all the final status of all of the bills, and I always color code them uh, green for bills that were signed by the governor, uh, blue for bills that made it through one house, uh, a certain court coding for bills that were vetoed by the governor. That doesn't happen very often. And then uh, bills that are highlighted in pink only passed uh, one session, uh, one chamber, but they did not pass both chambers. So, uh, that, that's a, a very quick and dirty rundown of the of the uh, of the schedule. That's great. Well, yeah, and it's so much. But and I think the one thing, Matt, that um, Tommy didn't mention a lot about is don't most bills die in committee? They get filed, they get assigned to a committee, and then what's that process like? And uh, and you know how do we you know if if there's a bill that we're concerned about or um, or the uh, you know positive or negatively, is the committee really where we need to be as as employers or you know representatives employers be focusing? Uh, yeah, I think the committee process is a great place. That's where the the most intense vetting of bills is going to be. Uh, you'll be able to provide testimony, both written and in person. Um, and, and to your point, there's usually about six thousand to six thousand five hundred bills filed between the House and the Senate each session. And only about a thousand or a thousand two hundred get signed into law or passed in the law. So a, a vast majority of bills are going to not make it to the end. Only about twenty percent uh, pass through. So now, y'all, you two have very different roles. Uh, at Tommy, what does the Texas Workforce Commission do? And in your role as legal advisor to the commissioner. Uh, what do you, you know, you've kind of talked about your, your normal, your, your job during the legislative session, but what's your regular role, uh, the rest of the, the year and a half that the sessions, uh, between sessions? Well, uh, I have a number of job duties, Mike, and, uh, one of them, of course, every session I, I track all the legislation and then I write reports about the legislation. And, uh, I usually get invited by some employer groups to give talks about important legislation. But in addition to that, I advise the commissioner on the final level appeals in unemployment and wage claim and uh, employment discrimination and tax coverage cases, unemployment tax coverage cases that go before the commission. And then another major thing that I do is keep the book updated every year, the book uh, that is uh, called Texas Guidebook for Employers, subtitled especially for Texas employers. We have a print version that's given out to all the uh, you know attendees at our conferences, but there is a 
version that is online. It's uh, the total book is online, completely free, 24-7. Uh, if you have an internet connection, you can access the book and you can make a copy of it, print it out. Uh, there's also a PDF downloadable version that you can do if you like a PDF. And so uh, that's another thing. That and, I'm gonna, and I'm going to, in the show notes, I'm going to include a link to that because uh, in my consulting and stuff, I bet I'm in that three or four times a month. Just, uh, you know, an employer will ask me a question, something weird about the Texas payday law or something, and I'll, I'll have to go dig it out to try to figure out exactly uh, uh, if I, because I know if I, I can trust Tommy's take on whatever the, the law is. So that's, I always double check on that. And, and then uh, another major thing I do is answer employer emails. And uh, the great thing about email uh, is that, you know, I can include links and attachments and things like that in a reply to kind of increase the, the value uh, of, uh, of a reply. And uh, then I answer the, uh, I'm one of the four attorneys in Commissioner Demerson's office who answered the 800 number uh, hotline for employers, the 800 832 9394 employer hotline and uh, then we we put on conferences around the state and help uh, other independent business associations including TAB uh, sometimes uh, if, if they invite us to speak we will uh, you know have a speaker available sometimes I do it sometimes one of the other attorneys but uh, in any event we enjoy doing uh, the employer outreach like that because it's a it's a way to not only uh, keep our ear to the ground and stay, you know, keep a foot in the real world. But also, you know, we're all true believers in this office, Mike, about uh, the fact that, you know, uh, employers who pay 100% of the taxes for the entire system, they deserve more of a return on their tax dollar than just being regulated. And so uh, we like to, you know, give them some, some items of real value, including the information that we're talking about. And Matt, you're on the advocacy side. You're one of those evil lobbyists, but you're lobbying to keep Texas the best place in the world to do business. So what does the session look like for, for you as a lobbyist? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm the, the lowest rung, though, of evil lobbyists, as you said, <laughs> as you mentioned, since I'm, I'm advocating on behalf of businesses. Uh, we have a thousand, over 1,500 member companies that are that are part of TAB and over 200 chambers of commerce, uh, local chambers of commerce in Texas. And so uh, we, we provide testimony at the legislature um, for or against uh, legislation, sometimes neutral, um, and try to bring that perspective uh, during the committee hearing process. And then also um, during that 140 day period um, to, to try to either push push legislation that's going to make Texas more business friendly or um, oppose or, or modify legislation to maintain our, our current uh, set of regulations that we have that are that are friendly to businesses. And T TAB has a really amazing uh, advocacy team. But so y'all are showing up to testify and to talk to staff and legislators about issues. How important is it that businesses actually show up to committee hearings or to testify, things like that. Is that really going to make a difference? Uh, absolutely. Um, I, and I know that making it down on a, on a short notice, because bills are usually like posted about five or six days in advance, um, it is difficult for a lot of folks in Texas. Um, so, so making it down, obviously, is the best way to do it in person and, and see your legislator face to face. Um, 
but even writing them an email or calling them to their office just to make sure that they know that their constituents are concerned about certain policies and, and want them to vote a certain way. Um, that, that's very important information for them to have. Uh, usually most, most uh, elected officials, when, it, when a bill is on the floor or in, in committee, they have a, a book that's put together from their staff. And, and in that book is usually little notes of XYZ company in our district supports this or opposes this. So um, th those do make a difference and, 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 and elected officials take note of that. Great. Yeah. And, and I've been, I've been on those calls where, Hey, your bill that you you've, you've expressed so much concern about coffee is, is going to be heard Friday. Can you be here? And I'm changing. And in last session, one of my pet bills, I testified, I think twice or uh, on it and it looked really good. And then it got the calendars committee on the last, in the last week of the session and never got calendared for a vote and, and died a horrible death. And so, you can invest a lot of time, but even though there are good bills that I want to want to advocate for sometimes, it's all the bills that die that I'm, I'm usually most grateful for because there's a lot of bad ideas <laughs> that, that get introduced during the session. Yeah, and, and, and as I said before, uh, we have a very favorable environment for, for employers right now in Texas. So a lot of the work that we do in this area is playing defense and, and making sure that we can uh, continue to attract businesses to Texas and, and have them thrive here as we've done for the past uh, five, 10, 15 years. So speaking about uh, that, one of the big issues about attracting businesses to Texas uh, was uh, chapter 330, 313. Uh, talk about what happened to those, to, to those provisions and what you think, you know, I wasn't planning on this, but I think this is important for business leaders to hear. What, uh, what do you think is going to happen this session around those? those incentive Yes. Uh, so the, the chapter 313 program is a temporary uh, tax abatement um, uh, economic development tool to bring capital investment into Texas. And it's been very successful in bringing uh, large scale. Uh, we're talking multiple, multiple billions of dollars in each project um, invested in Texas. Um, it unfortunately, um, it had a, a, a sunset date in the legislation, so meaning that it expired at a certain date, which was, I believe, just a couple months ago. And so it, it is no longer active and on the books. Um, all the existing uh, applications and everything are still being processed, but um, nobody can go forward in 2023 without new legislation coming in passing. And so one of our major priorities at TAB is some type of, of program to, to take its place where we're um, providing a, a mechanism to, to incentivize companies to come to Texas, invest billions of dollars, and pay millions and, and millions and billions of dollars in tax revenue. Um, th that's ultimately the goal of these economic development programs. Um, and we want to ensure that there's transparency and, and, and items in place to make sure that this is a, a worthwhile pro program. That those tax incentives are well spent and, and are really re getting returned back to the community and jobs and quality of life, those kinds of issues. Absolutely. Uh, that, that's a very important to, to whatever reiteration there is of this program, um, that that is the first step. And, and then also that we're attracting businesses to, to continue to come to Texas. So Tommy, we've got uh, how many bills did you say have been filed so far? 
Oh, well, on the first day, a thousand or so, uh, by my count, and uh, by now it's well over two thousand, and uh, there's uh, continuing to come in. Let's see, the latest bill that that uh, I've got on the list, I think, was uh, yes, filed yesterday. That was uh, HB eleven fifty five. Well, it might be only about sixteen or seventeen hundred, but that's a lot of bills. Uh, so uh, about. 1,200 bills in the House and uh, a smaller number, about a quarter of that in the Senate. But uh, there are some uh, bills of significant interest in there uh, showing either issues of, uh, you know, uh, substantial concern to employers or uh, areas of uh, continuing interest showing trends in legislative thinking that may not become reality this time, but it's always kind of a predictor of what might come to pass in the future. Let's let's talk about some of those. I noticed when I was going through your bill list, there are a lot of bills around uh, mostly about prohibiting discrimination based on sex orientation and gender identity. Uh, we don't have to get into the specifics of all those different bills, but generally, what are those 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 bills trying to accomplish? Uh, the majority of those bills uh, that revolve around uh, gender identity and uh, uh, sexual orientation discrimination and uh, and so on, those are uh, have been filed by uh, folks who are advocates for uh, LGBT plus QIA rights, and uh, they are uh, trying to uh, incorporate into current Chapter 21 of the Texas Labor Code statutory protection against discrimination on the basis of, uh, you know, uh, gender uh, identity or uh, sexual orientation or similar characteristics. Some are broad spectrum, others are not so broad spectrum, but uh, that's the general trend of things and uh, uh, quite a lot of those. And let's take a quick break. Good Morning HR is brought to you by Imperative. Premium background checks with fast and friendly service. If you're an HRCI or SHRM certified professional, this episode of Good Morning HR has been pre-approved for one half hour of recertification credit. To obtain the recertification information, visit goodmorninghr.com and click on Research Credits. Then select episode 78 and enter the keyword Texas. That's T-E-X-A-S. On February 8th, I'll be hosting a webinar entitled Mitigating Bias in the Employee Selection Process. We'll discuss the most common ways bias sneaks into or is baked into the recruitment, interviewing, and selection process and systemic changes that can help mitigate bias in selecting employees. This free webinar is approved for one professional development credit for SHRM certified professionals and one hour of general recertification credit for HRCI certified professionals. You can register for this free webinar at imperativeinfo.com. And if you're listening to this podcast after February 8th, you can still watch the recorded webinar on our website for credit for free. And now back to my conversation with Tommy Simmons and Matt Abel. Matt, what do you, on the, looking down the road as, as a former staffer and, and somebody who's representing business, how, what do you see the discussion will be around the, what will the, what will the concerns be and what will the discussion be around those kind of bills? Um, yeah, I think in a lot of those bills, the devil's really in the detail. Um, and we need to see, um, are, are these protections already in existence in other law? Um, and we're just kind of 
uh, creating more mechanisms for, for lawsuits against employers um, is one kind of concern that we've seen in the past. Um, we, we definitely just want to take a look and see how the bill's written and, and how it will impact current law and protections that, that folks already have. And I've been a member of TAB for years, and I will say I don't come across TAB members who want to actively discriminate against people. But uh, also as an HR guy, I've I've you know had to deal with some situations that were kind of cumbersome in defending an employer against something that was, you know, on its face probably not reasonable. But uh, just the way the law is written and the processes around it uh, don't always make the most sense. Please, because quite honestly. You know, a lot of our legislators have never signed the back of a check, you know, the front of a check, and have you know have never really had to manage people under the existing laws that are already in place. And, and Mike, I, I'd like to add just to echo what Matt said: uh, the devil being in the details. Uh, a lot of these bills, uh, they have uh, you know very laudable purposes for things that uh, I think the vast majority of Texas businesses already have you know follow best practices on from a term you know in terms of employee retention employee morale and attracting and keeping major talent uh and and that's no discrimination but uh there are you know varying degrees of remedies there and some of of the uh bills of course uh provide an administrative remedy through the uh, texas workforce commission civil rights division under chapter 21 of the labor code while others provide uh, for like a direct door uh, into the courthouse. And uh, that, you know, sometimes means the threat of a trial by jury and uh, things like that can get pretty unpredictable and costly. Uh, and I'm sure Matt ha has heard from lots of TAB members about uh, the, the concerns that businesses have about the cost of litigation and hiring defense counsel and so on. So, uh, you really have to look at what kind of remedies are being proposed uh, in response to violations. Some, some are uh, of uh, minor concern. Others would be of more substantial concern. The other big, you know, that's obviously nationwide and, and in the, in the uh, political zeitgeist, that's a hot topic. And another one is, is pay equity. Uh, and so, there are, I know there are bills uh, in the House and Senate uh, both around that, and uh, and I've seen it across the country, uh, prohibitions around uh, employers inquiring into uh, candidates' previous uh, wages, uh, salaries, and uh, previous employment. Uh, and I see that those bills. Um, you want to talk a little bit, Tommy, about what you think those bills are trying to accomplish? Well, yes. Uh, just in general, uh, there, there's uh, one bill that's been filed uh, that would establish a Texas pay equity task force, and that would be presumably a uh, you know an interim uh, term study uh, of the whole issue with an eye toward bringing more legislation, possibly in 2025. But in terms of uh, legislation that would uh, begin impacting employers more or less immediately, or at least on September 1st, the most popular effective date for new legislation this session, uh, there is uh, one House bill and one Senate bill. Uh, basically, they look like companions, uh, identical 
bill captions relating to unemployment, unlawful employment practices with respect to compensation and wage history. And this reflects a trend in uh, HR nationwide, of course, to uh, to shy away from asking too many detailed questions uh, that could give clues as to uh, not only uh, gender, but also uh, that tend to perpetuate past discrimination in terms of gender, uh, salary scales, and so on. So um, this is this is something that most employers now have gotten a lot more circumspect uh, about asking questions relating to uh, prior uh, salary history, or at least reserving that for the final final level, not not uh, something on the job application necessarily, but maybe something at the interview level or the final screening level. But uh, in the end effect, I think most employers uh, just following best practices, they subscribe to what's it going to take to attract and keep the the best qualified workers. Right. And I think, um, you know, employers are often looking at at wage history as kind of a, a gauge of what this person's real level of responsibility was and it gets you past the the issues you've got with uh title inflation you know you, you know everybody's a vice president now and uh but you know you got a vice president making $60,000 and a vice president making $100,000 in different in different organizations and and you can often get some idea of what their real scope responsibility was or at least that's the thinking but of course um the concern on the other side is that uh, uh, women are being paid less than than men, and so if I ask my uh, female uh, employment candidate what she was making and base my offer uh, on, you know, giving her an increase, but maybe not to the same uh, the top of scale in, in our organization for that job, I may be. Uh, you know, that may be based on unfair treatment at a previous employer. And so that's why they don't want you to do it. Uh, and I, I, I need to do a whole podcast episode around that because uh, there's there's a lot a deeper dig, you know, dive to really get into into what an employer ought to be thinking about. Tommy, TWC handles unemployment compensation. I mean, y'all are the y'all y'all are the state agency that that owns that. Uh, I, I don't think there's anything major so far, but I, I you know, it's been interesting with uh, with COVID and everything over the last couple of years, uh, employers' responsibilities and, and and how do you respond to an unemployment claim when, when nobody's in the office or we're all remote and things like that. So what's the current state, you know, post, allegedly post-COVID uh, with the uh, with unemployment compensation uh, system in Texas? Well, the the latest is that uh, we are uh, still in the still in the midst of sorting through uh, a lot of second chance chargeback notice responses that came in as a result of of direct commission action that was ordered earlier this year. Uh, the uh, the chair of the agency, uh, Brian Daniel, and also uh, the employer commissioner, Aaron Demerson. Uh, agreed that due to the fact that uh, a substantial number of employers uh, may have felt misled by public statements coming out from uh, various state leaders, including the TWC, uh, on April 1st, uh, 2020, to the effect that, don't worry, there won't be any chargebacks because of uh, pandemic or COVID-19 related claims. 
they thought that they didn't have to respond to the chargeback notices at all, that they would just automatically get chargeback protection. But it's not that simple. Uh, th that original press release was in the context of a statement about the federal CARES Act benefits, which would be paid out of federal funds appropriated by Congress and not charged back to any Texas employer. And it wasn't meant to be a, you know, a detailed guide about how to respond uh, from the standpoint of Texas chargebacks and Texas unemployment tax rates. But, uh, you know, be that as it may, a lot of employers legitimately felt misled. And in view of that, uh, a majority of the commission, uh, the commissioner representing the public and the commissioner representing employers agreed that uh, employers who did not respond to the original chargeback notices mailed out uh, from the start of the pandemic, early March of 2020, all the way through the end of the year, those employers would get what is essentially a do-over. It would be a, a second chance uh, chargeback notice, giving them another uh, opportunity to reply and explain the, uh, the reason why the claimant stopped working for their company uh, before, uh, you know, they, they filed an unemployment claim. And that, of course, is what uh, state law requires the chargeback decision to be based on. And uh, th this is an unprecedented step, but it's very important for an employer that receives a notice like that to carefully look at the notice and see if it applies to them. And basically, the notice explains that if you felt misled by public statements in early uh, 2020 uh, and for that reason did not respond to the original chargeback notice, uh, and uh, for that reason you did not respond originally, this is... Uh, your new opportunity basically to respond and explain the circumstances of the work separation. If so, please sign below and explain the work separation on the back of this form. Now, not every employer can sign that form. It's for people who felt misled and for that reason did not respond. Some employers uh, did not feel misled uh, they had other reasons for not responding. And sometimes things just got away from them. Sometimes business shutdowns, uh, impossible circumstances. And there are various circumstances, uh, you know, uh, very detailed sets of facts sometimes that can still lead uh, to a favorable determination on the chargeback issue, like we'll ignore the late protest. But uh, now let's look at the reason for the work separation. And if an employer can take advantage of that, it should. So maybe it can't say that they were misled, but maybe they can say that they did respond, but TWC must have lost the notice. Or they tried faxing in dozens of times, but the fax machine always refused their fax. Or they tried calling in to find out about it because they, they were, uh, you know, they were confused and uh, Nobody at TWC picked up. All of those are very easy to understand and believe because we were there. We were uh, fielding all those phone calls and, and uh, you know, getting a lot of letters from employers who said, y'all never pick up on your phones. Uh, what's wrong with your fax machines? Nothing's working there. And that was during the height of the pandemic. So if an employer has a some kind of a compelling circumstance like that, it should not give up hope totally, it should still go ahead and respond as soon as possible and explain the circumstances behind the late response and why the claimant stopped working for their company. 
and uh, there's always a chance that uh, they might get charged back protection. The worst thing that can happen is TWC says, well, no, sorry, uh, your account will remain charged, but they still have a chance of winning. Uh, they'll definitely miss that chance if they don't respond. It's like Wayne Gretzky said about hockey, you miss all the goals that you never take a shot for. So anyway, uh, that's what I, I think that's important for employers to know about the chargebacks. So Matt, as you know, as part of the advocacy team at TAB, you're guided by TAB's board-approved legislative priorities for this for the session, right? So we're looking at you know these are the things that we as as uh, businesses in Texas want to preserve or advocate for. Would you hit some of the high points of the employment-related uh, legislative priorities for this session from from the Texas Association of Business? The employment-related uh, legislative priorities fall under a couple of different banners. I think that the most important one is supporting policies that enhance the ability for employers to freely contract with their employees. So this would um, bolster Texas and, and keeping efforts to remain Texas to remain a right-to-work state um, and oppose legislation that would erode employment at will as a right for all Texas employers. Um, those are a couple of the, the, the main ones where we're playing defense. We have a very friendly environment here and we want to keep it that way. Yeah. And another one of the the things that affect how, how we operate as employers, especially employers with multiple locations across the state, another big issue for uh, a couple sessions that we've not quite got across the, the finish line is preemption. Uh, uh, you know, local local rules that relate to, uh, you know, everything from, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, you know, paid sick leave uh, or other kinds of benefits that employers have to offer. Uh, would you talk a little bit about what TAB hopes to, to see in the preemption area this session? Yeah, um, I think this uh, there's been other areas where we've seen um different, a patchwork of laws, of inconsistent laws around the state by either cities or counties. Um, and the, the state needs to come in and, and say, we're just going to have one set of laws so that employers don't have to have five different policies um, for five different cities in Texas. And so uh, we we have tried in multiple sessions to, to get something passed and are hoping that this session uh, we can have something um, on the governor's desk that streamlines the processes um, for these uh, laws in, in different localities. Yeah, we've we've seen Austin uh, has 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 is the only state in Texas that's, that's banned the box. It prohibits employers from considering employment or criminal history uh, before they uh, make an offer. And um, but there's there are a dozen flavors of ban the box around the country and if we had a dozen of those in texas and i'm a i'm an you know a retailer or just an employer that's got multiple work locations it makes it really difficult to do business in in a state where you've got different rules that, you know now you it might as well be a multi-state employer right uh if i've got a if i've really got to follow a whole bunch of different sets of rules and so that preemption has been one of the the drums i've i've been banging on for several sessions with tab so we're almost out of time, but uh, you've touched on some of it. Uh, Tommy's got definitely got the list, but what what should employers be doing right now or business leaders in general be doing right now 
to be prepared for whatever comes during a legislative session and to stay on top of, of what's going on. Uh, Matt, I know TAB puts out a lot of resources. What'd be a good place to start there? Um, yeah, uh, if they're not already, they can, they can join TAB as a member uh, and, and you'll have access to the, the 14 policy committees we have that provide timely updates um, on, on different uh, sections of law. So there's the employment law, healthcare, or tax laws. Um, and then we also have industry-specific committees like energy, technology, and education. So if, if you're interested in, in those specific areas, uh, you can sign up for whatever committee you want with inside of TAB, and, and we provide those updates to our members uh, throughout the session. And then um, during the 18-month interim, when, when laws are being implemented and rules are being going through the rulemaking process, we provide additional um, information for our, our members there. Thank you. And Tommy, we'll, I'm going to definitely put your contact information in the show notes as well as, as Matt and TABs so that folks who want to reach out and get your lists uh, can do that. And I'll also include a, a link to the Texas Legislature Online website where you can look up uh, the actual text of bills and, and see them as they, where they are in the process. Um, anything else, Tommy, that, that we should share with business leaders about uh, staying on top of things? Well, yes, uh, definitely. Uh, your best friend is going to be TAB and uh, some of the other uh, industry associations that uh, represent your uh, specific industry. I'd advocate that for any business. Uh, there is strength in numbers, and uh, the the uh, legislative advocates at TAB are you know just over over the decades. I've seen them be incredibly effective at uh, maintaining this good business environment that we have in Texas, making sure that it's uh, the best possible place to s start and grow a business. And so uh, keep that up, you know, join uh, you know, business associations, stay active with it, develop contacts at those associations, ask them for updates, and also uh, subscribe to any uh, business association newsletters that you can, and uh, just basically uh, keep Keep checking those uh, updates uh, from the legislature as well. Uh, the, that uh, legislative uh, database that you talked about, that's a wonderful thing for finding out uh, the latest uh, bill status. And I use that uh, all the time as well as a couple of other legislative databases. And so just stay informed. Yeah, and I will also add that your local chambers of commerce, I'm also on the board of the Fort Worth Chamber, uh, are, you know, are great resources uh, and, and you need, you know, things that are, especially things that business conditions that are specific to your area of the state. It's a big state and what, what concerns us in Fort Worth may not be the same as Lubbock and, uh, or the Valley. So, uh, pay, plug into your local chamber and know what's going on there. But I want to thank both you guys for joining me. Uh, I know I'll see you both a lot to, over the session. And uh, but this is this is really helpful, and uh, hopefully we'll get to we'll get to do a recap uh, that's uh, a victory lap in in July. Thank you. Thank guys. you, Mike, for having me. All right, thank you very much, and thank you for listening. You can find previous episodes, show notes, and contact info for our guest at GoodMorningHR.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. And don't forget to follow us wherever you get your podcast. Rob Upchurch is our technical producer, and I'm Mike Coffey. 
As always, don't hesitate to reach out if I can be of service to you personally or professionally. I'll see you next week. And until then, be well, do good, and keep your chin up.